There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Rarely going where no one has gone before. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Richard Dave. And I'm Sean Fangirlast, and today we'll be discussing Episode 9 of Season 2 of Star Trek Lower Deck. Well, what an episode. What did you guys think about it, Dave? I know we're not rating it, but if we were, I would give it 5 out of 5 enormous clay spheres from Shaq. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I think they really knocked this one out of the park. It's so funny, so clever. And I watched all the way through the credits, too, because I just wanted to see that, because I yeah. thought that was so hilarious. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I was hoping something was going to happen. Yeah, no, but no. <laughs> that was so clever. Great episode. Sean? Oh, I, I really liked it. I was cracking up how it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you see basically our group on every ship is basically how yep. it was working. And yes, again, with the final credit scenes. I was like, I just wanted one to open up their eye and maybe sigh a little or just open the eye, look around and close it again, something. But I just loved how it worked out with this whole thing because I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. And Steve brought up something off air, which we'll talk about when we get there, because I think this might happen, Steve. Just throw that out there. Yeah. And I really enjoyed this episode as well. It was a lot of fun. Though I do kind of think it's, of course, leading into the season finale. And so we see the Klingon guy actually take over his ship. Mm -hmm. And we see the Vulcan save her ship with what she's doing. But we didn't see any of our lower deckers doing great things. So I'm thinking that's going to happen in the next episode. We'll see. Now you got me thinking. (laughs) (laughs) that's why it smells like wood burning around here we don't get any indication but where do you think the vulcan is going that's what steve was yeah i want to see the vulcan on the cerritos that would be the perfect place for her yeah beckett would just definitely oh my gosh time would she be one of our lower deck people and like oh hell my god oh my god she would lose it with our group though she's like <laughs> so episode nine, three ship or wedge dude shoot <laughs> wedgie cling on <laughs> wedgie judgy boiler tries to find a bridge buddy while the USS Cerritos crew has downtime during a long work trip. Okay, yeah. so I didn't we're think that was possible. talking about all sorts of fun stuff, and I am not going to pronounce anything right. Fair <laughs> warning, <laughs> Captain's log: the Cerritos is beginning a twelve-hour warp in route to a planetary survey in the Katarin system. That's about all the, the relaxing tones you're going to get from me now. 
But with little to do in the vacant stretch of space, I've approved some R&R for the crew. Yay! In the mess hall, the lower deckers are discussing what to do during their free time. Boimler finds out that Mariner, Rutherford, and Tendi each have plans with senior officers. Mariner has plans for mother-daughter time with Freeman. I don't know if she chose that herself. No. <laughs> Rutherford is to try a soup recipe for Billup, then attend a pottery session with Shaq, and Tendi has been invited by Dr. Tiana to go to the holodeck together. Okay, this yeah. all sounds great, right? I'm starting to wonder what is going to happen exactly. Boimler laments over his lack of socialization with senior officers and wonders about serving on ships with built-in social structures, such as those belonging to Binars or Klingon. Mariner expresses skepticism that Boimler would enjoy serving on a Klingon ship. Yeah. And this is when all the fun starts to begin. We get to see a Klingon bird of prey and the Ixchitar, a Klingon lower deck crew, getting ready to start their own duties, discussing what they'll be doing. Maha. I, I, would, I would say, Chata. <laughs> Chata. I, I can just let you say everything really angrily yeah. you know, as a Klingon. <laughs> yeah. if you maintain low tones. Maha expresses hope that he'll be able to impress his captain, Dorg, noting that their commander, Tog, has been undermining Dorg as of late. Realizing that Tog should likely be killed for this, Ma'a is hoping to be Dorg's logical choice for the new first officer. Logical? What? (laughs) I think that it was the Klingon that was sharpening his teeth with a file. That was hilarious. That was starting to laugh and had the rest of the Lower Deckers laugh at the statement, comparing it to something a Vulcan would say. (laughs) Yep. And in another part of space, lo and behold, we have a Vulcan Lower Deck crew in a Vulcan cruiser, Shaval. They're focusing on their work. They're so not like our people. No. Lower Decker, Helen, forgoes her duties to monitor a tertiary impulse system. Instead, works to enhance the long-range sensors with her algorithm, which leads to the detection of a surge of Metatron particles in system 7743.8. She's then criticized by one of the other officers, but Talyn says, instead of monitoring the redundant system, my time would be better spent improving our sensors. And they kept saying sensors. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> They, like saying it that Vulcan thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, their word player, their dissing is, is, is pretty sharper than their ears, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is Richard Dave. So if you don't like the dad joke, you can email us to let <laughs> us know. <laughs> anyway, another of our crewmates looks at our readings and says the Metatron readings are within acceptable parameters. Dylan, however, notes that the system has never produced such a large reading of anomalous energy, and something about it, quote, feels off, unquote. Another officer, Tagai, objects at her judging with a feeling, though Tulin says it's illogical to ignore these readings and leaves to inform her captain. As she leaves, they remark that she has lost control of herself, which I loved it, and they all do the, the eyebrow cock. <laughs> like, I'm laughing, and my husband's like, Wait, lost control? What? Yeah, like, yeah that was that funny. <laughs> I'm like, that's the point, hun. Back on the... Ah, Dave, do the angry Vulcan. Cha-ta. 
Ma'a enters the bridge <laughs> to fight to the death between Dorg and Cog. Cog calls Dorg dishonorable and charges him with a knife, but Dorg manages to take the knife from him and stab Cog in the chest, killing him. It was all very Klingon. Dorg addresses his bridge crew and says that Tog forgot what it meant to be Klingon and that he will need a loyal first officer who doesn't spit in the face of duty, offering the position to the officer who impresses him the most. After Dorg orders the disposal of Tog's corpse, Ma'a volunteers for the job and drags Tog's body away, albeit with some difficulty. Yeah, I love the... Yeah, yeah pink bloodstream. Back on the Cerritos, Boimler approaches Keishan in the lounge, hoping to socialize with him, gives him a drink, and impresses Keishan with his knowledge of the Temerian language. Well, kind of. Keishan continues to speak with him, but when Boimler attempts to respond, he unknowingly makes a statement about Keishan's weight and offends him in the process. Sean leaves angrily while Boimler tries to apologize. I'm like, yeah, you weren't doing a very good job. No. <laughs> yep. Hell against the forehead, Boimler. Boimler then decides to join Rutherford, who is with numerous other officers, and Shaq as they make pottery. Boimler is impressed with Shaq's skills and asks if he learned to make pottery on Bajor. However, after he asks this, Shaq gets infuriated. And says that while he lived on Bajor, he had little time for anything other than fighting the Cardassian occupation of Bajor in the Bajorian resistance. And then he rushes to attack Boimler and Rutherford yells at Boimler to run. This is serious. It's not a joke. Yeah. Move it. <laughs> this is not a drill. <laughs> As Boimler runs out of the room, Rutherford manages to calm Shaq down and Shaq sits back down intending to make an ashtray for his incense in the shape of a puppy. <laughs> Yeah, the whole uh thing with him throwing some pottery and making different shapes. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I know. Bizarre character. Yes. Like, I was just laughing. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Yeah. But was he making a scratching that. post for <laughs> the doctor? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't think about that. God. Now that's going to be in my head. Yep. That'll be coming up at the end of the episode, by the way. <laughs> Back on the Chita, Dorg is feeding his targ, and Maha compares it to Kor's hound at the Battle of Flatstikel Brock. Don't get mad at me, I don't speak Klingon. Yeah. Dorg is surprised that he knows of the battle at such a young age, and Maha asks if they may sing a song about it, before he's headbutted by another officer who demands that he goes and gets another barrel of blood <laughs> wine. Really? Go get it yourself, you big... Oh, never mind. <laughs> On the Cheval, Selin's captain is asking why she modified the long-range sensors when that is not part of her duty. And she responds that she had a gut feeling that improving their sensor range would prove illuminating. How did these guys ever get into space? Yeah. <laughs> the Vulcans, I mean, good yeah. grief. Why are you trying to do something like that? Yeah. yeah. Like, Makes you think they got it from somebody else, you know, Warp Tribe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Romulans? <laughs> Oh my god, are they, like, a different version of the Packlet? What? <laughs> he further clarifies that the reading has, she picked up originated in a region of space that has never experienced a comparable phenomenon, and that ignoring it would be illogical. Relenting, the captain orders his helm to adjust course to investigate the reading, but warms to Lynn that his decision is not an endorsement of her behavior, and orders her to spend the next two days in meditation. I'm sure that's going to go over well. Yep. This because is when you need a doctor from the original Star Trek bones yeah. to appear and, and say something about Vulcans. How do you out of your Vulcan mind? 
So Lynn tries to object, saying that she's near completion of a personal project, and the captain remains firm, saying her outbursts are not acceptable. Outbursts? She is more calm than any person I've ever met. I love that your outbursts. Yeah. And that relying on your belief, feelings, and instincts is making your behavior comparable to that of a child. Oh, that's a Vulcan burn right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. On the holodeck, Tendi is climbing Roxiana, and while she takes in the sight, Boimler flies up using a pair of levitation boots, asking if she can join them. However, his boots, well, start to fail, and he falls a great distance. I loved it. He falls into a tree, and Tendi's like, oh, thankfully the holodeck safety protocols are on. Yeah. They are on, right? And I love Tendi. Like, uh, yeah, I guess. And sure. she just climbs on up. <laughs> Don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> falls onto a branch of a tree and his boot kick it again and he whacks his head on the <laughs> trunk of the tree. I found it amusing, but I felt really bad for Boimler. Boimler continues to look for someone to join on the Cerritos and comes up upon the phaser ring, which is in use by Freeman and Mariner for some target practice. Hoping to join them, he enters the range only to see them in a heated argument with one another. <laughs> what yeah. an argument. <laughs> wow, I know. And I've seen it in real life, too, between my wife and her mother. Oh. I can't, oh, I'm like, wow, you guys are vicious. <laughs> yeah. The claws have come out. Oblivious to his presence, they continue to bicker with one another while Boimler, uncomfortable with the situation, tries to get out of the room, though he has a bit of difficult doing it. First, distraught Boimler enters the turbo lift where Ransom is with a Lieutenant Junior Grade and a Benzite Ensign talking about Hawaii. Boimler joins in on the conversation and they ask if he's from Hawaii also. Well, he hesitantly says he is, and Ransom is shocked that another Hawaiian is on board before inviting him to the holodeck later to go to the beach. On the Chita, Ma'a has brought a new barrel of blood wine. <laughs> To the mess hall, but as he drags it in, an overweight Klingon passes out, falls on him. The other Klingons laugh at him and leave the mess hall, ignoring his pleas for assistance. Dorg approaches him and orders him to walk his targ, and when he's done fooling around, yeah. Ma'a accepts, and the targ happily approaches Ma'a, licking his face. While Aww. he tries to get the big overweight Klingon off his back. <laughs> on the Cheval... Talyn is in meditation, but her nearby pad chirps, and she picks it up, doing more work on it. Her other lower decker friends enter the room and note that she is working when she should be meditating. Talyn says she's nearly finished with the project, and she will meditate when it's complete. She is told that her rebellious nature will only lead to punitive spiritualism, and Talyn rebukes the statement, saying that she isn't rebellious and is only enjoying her project and had hoped to have it finished by the end of the day. She keeps saying words that just cringe in their ears, enjoying. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't that. Yeah. At she, all. And it, it's just cracking me up. Yes. <laughs> again, like, it's not an outburst. My God. Yes. <laughs> but to a Vulcan, it is. She then says that if they didn't just strictly follow rules, they would also realize that there is more for them to learn and achieve, offering to become her confidant, comparing herself to a Chadish of Klingon. Talyn is told that they are not Klingon, but she responds that they are also not Borg drones and do not have to blindly follow orders. 
saying that logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Her friends say that the Vulcan High Command will be interested in learning more about her relaxed attitude, and Talyn asks if she intends to have her reported. Friends tell her that she's clearly unstable, and that the entire crew has noticed her behavior, though Talyn is unconcerned with what the crew thinks of her. This is really uh, bizarre. I mean, they really take it to the limit. Oh, absolutely they did with this. <laughs> we've, we've seen other Vulcans, especially the ones that deal with humans and one that actually married one. Right. <laughs> realize that there is room for some of this behavior. But these guys, wow. I would use friends in air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because she is definitely, if she's not overtly emotional, the yeah. boy, she uses the words. <laughs> yeah, the counter burns are awesome. Yes, absolutely. Back on the Cerritos, Boimler is fretting about the upcoming hangout on the holodeck, and Rutherford asks why he didn't just say he wasn't from Hawaii. Boimler responds that it just happened too fast for him to do anything about it. His first choice is to lie. Yes. As they talk, Freeman calls Mariner to report to her ready room for hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Moans about how this trip is the longest of her life. As what if that had went across the ship? Yes. Location? <laughs> yep. As she leaves, Tandy and Rutherford recommend Boimler to be truthful to Ransom, saying that it's better to be true to himself than to simply have a friend who is a commander, to which Boimler agreed. Ultimately, oh, Boimler dresses in the Hawaiian shirt and reports to the holodeck with Ransom and is given a Mai Tai. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to the uh, bar. Yeah. <laughs> On what if, and I want to hang out with these guys too. <laughs> Dorg is sitting in his quarters listening to the Klingon opera when Maha enters, having finished walking his Targ, buddy. <laughs> Dorg throws a bottle of blown wine at a screen, which is displaying a map of the quadrant, and expresses frustration that the Klingon Empire no longer controls that quadrant with fear and power as it once did. Maha assures him that the Empire is the fiercest ever, but Dorg only replies with the Klingon joining Starfleet and studying. Bajoran academies, they've lost their respect for tradition. Maha agrees that it's troubling to see a proud cast of warriors lose their Lordesh, which impresses Dorg. He says Maha has a warrior spirit despite being weaker, smaller, and slower than the other <laughs> officers and says that he could be a captain of his own ship one day. There's a backhanded compliment. Oh, yeah. At the moment, the Chata is hailed about an incoming message and Dorg has sent to his quarters via a private channel. A pack of named Rebner appears on screen and asks they are ready to give him presents. Jesus. <laughs> We're ready for presents. Dork says that he'll discuss their transaction in person and that he will beam over with Maha, who he declares to be his new first officer. Wow. As they leave Dork's quarters, Maha expresses disgust at the Packlids as they have no honor and asks if they are planning to commandeer the ship. Dork responds that it, as cowardly and foolish as the Packlids are, and, and not too bright, they okay. still have their uses. Dork sees the Packlids. You know, I would like to see the, the Vulcans get their... <laughs> Warp technology for the Packlids, that would be the ultimate burn. Yes. <laughs> Dork sees that the Packlids have an insatiable hunger for power and intends to use that. He reveals that he has been giving weapons and information to the Packlids so they can throw the quadrant in disarray. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, there's serialization of a plot line. Yes. <laughs> the series, how about that? Absolutely. Uh, I like it. Yep. Maha is confused why Dorg is helping with the Packlids, and Dorg notes that the Federation is getting destabilized, which would allow the Klingon Empire to claim the region. Maha protests, saying that the Klingons don't rely on others to fight their battles for them, and Dorg replies that is precisely why the Federation has no clue that they are being manipulated as such. Then they beam off the Chata. On the Cerritos, Mariner and Freeman are playing a game of Clue. 
<laughs> when an officer contacts Primitian, they have detected an anomalous energy reading and asked if they should investigate. Not only was this episode funny, but there there were like was like what if and pulling all these strings together. That's right. good writing. Yep. Really was. I thought that was interesting that they were finally doing that because yeah, we thought this whole time that it was gonna pretty much just be like one off. Yeah. Eager for a change of pace, both Mariner and Freeman quit their game, get ready to return to duty. But before Mariner leaves, Freeman tells her that she had a great time with her, and Mariner says the same. Aw. <laughs> Dorg and Maha beam to the clump ship, Pocklin. And Remder <laughs> beats them, saying that they need another boomer. Dorg refuses, saying that they gave him a Barubian bomb and that one is enough. Remner tells them they used it by testing it on an Ange asteroid. And afterwards, it was stopped working. <laughs> I was cracking up. <laughs> because of my... <sighs> my god they really are just so stupidly written like uh my name is redner yes yes we've met before yeah <laughs> dork frustratingly tells them that bombs can only be used once but reckoning contacts his ship to transport another bomb on board maha i wouldn't do it when i was on there i'd be afraid they'd blow me up i know yeah. i know <laughs> how does this work again <laughs> Maha advises Dorg that a Peruvian bomb has high amounts of metrion particles and that other ships may come to investigate. Hmm. As he says this, a red alarm goes off. Red alarm! I love red alarm. I know, so dumb. The Cerritos drops out of work to see the Packlet and Chata beside one another, and the Dorg orders for their communication to be blocked in case they need to take out the Cerrito. Freeman is surprised to see the Packlets, and they are seemingly attacking the Klingons now and has the Cerritos hail the Chata. Getting no response, Freeman asks them if they are in need of assistance. As she asks it, both should power up their weapons and freedom orders for the shields to be raised, going red alert. How many times have we seen that on Star Trek, from the original series to uh, Next Generation? Hey, they're powering weapons. Yep. Shields up! Red alert! <laughs> the classic. The Chata and the Pakula open fire on the Cerritos, and throughout the ship, all off-duty officers rush to their battle station, which was also hilarious, because yes. they're all indulging whatever it is they're into. Yeah. <laughs> I don't nobody ran out naked. had mud or the clay all on his hands. Yep. <laughs> you imagine if we saw a callback to a previous episode and when a whole bunch of them ran out naked out of a room? Yeah. <laughs> god. Oh my god. Freeman has the Cerritos return fire targeting the weapons. Ransom leads Boimler and the other Hawaiianers to their station when they are trapped by falling debris. Only on a starship, falling debris. Right. Yep. As the tech continues to take damage, force fields are activated to seal the area, trapping them, and Boimler expressed that he didn't want to die in a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> making everyone look at him weirdly. <laughs> Why not? He'd rather die in his underoos. Yeah. <laughs> Boimler realized he'd been caught, sits down and admits that he isn't from Hawaii, and he's from Modesto, California. <laughs> He confesses that he just wanted a friend who worked on the bridge and apologizes for not wanting to die a liar. As he says this, the Ben Zite and junior grade lieutenant admit they are also not from Hawaii, and they just wanted to impress Ransom. Ransom said that none of them had to pretend for him, and he liked them for what they were before admitting that he isn't from Hawaii either. He made it up since his former commander was from Honolulu. There's a lot of lying going on in this oh, ship. no joke! <laughs> Ransom admits that he actually grew up in Tycho City on the moon causing the junior-grade lieutenant to express that she did as well growing up on Luna Bay. The Benzite also joined the group and saying that he grew up on B-93, Benzar's third moon, hoping to connect Boimler likens Modesto to a moon of San Francisco out of reach. Yeah. But they uh, <laughs> take offense to his comparison on the Chata. Dorb reveals that he's, he watches the Pakula continue its attack on the Cerritos, but Maha expresses that their actions feel wrong, and there's no honor in is having the Pakula fight their battles. This guy's got a real conscience. He's like an out-of-sword Vulcan. Right. Dorb strikes him as he protests and tells him not to speak about what is honorable. Maha responds that the other Klingons have tried to sabotage peace before, but no success, and, and Dorg only responds that he will not fail. Of course not. On the Pakula, four 
Packlet lower deckers are sitting in front of their storage containers full of mushrooms, and one laments how hungry he is. One suggested he should eat. The other played, he's smart. You're smart. <laughs> At the least attack- not talking about how big their hats are. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I know. As the attack continues, Freeman orders evasive maneuvers, but the shields fall to 17%. However, as Shaq tells Freeman that he can't much longer, the Chaval drops out of warp and intercept fire with Packlet. You know, I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. I was like, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that they warped in and just ended up in the wrong spot, that they weren't right. intentionally trying to help. No. Well, they were following the power surge that the other one had detected. So right. naturally, they were yeah. in time. Yeah, it was the Verubian bomb that yeah. got everybody's attention. So the stupid package. And, I, and I, that's what should give it away. And I'm like, oh, I forgot all about it. And they like <laughs> the cavalry. They show up in the nick of time. The captain of the Cheval orders shields raised to maximum power as the Chata and Packlet open fire on them. Welcome to the Packlet. Ship the pack lid. <laughs> As the Chita significantly weakens their shields, Talin reveals that the project she had been working on is a regenerative shield amplifier and believes it can help them. The captain is hesitant to try it since it hasn't been tested and it could damage the shield coupling, leaving them unprotected. Talin urges that it is logical to use it since they have no other alternatives and her instincts tell her it will work. You know, <laughs> she must be the most logical person on board. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even realize it. No. Without options, the captain orders her program to be implemented. Dorg continues to revel in the battle, saying that the destruction of two enemy ships will bring him glory. Maha once again protests, saying that Starfleet and the Vulcans are not their enemies, demanding to know if the Klingon High Council is aware of his actions. Boy, everyone's ratting out everybody. Dorg responds that the consuls lack foresight and they will change their mind when the battle begins. On the Cheval, Talin's program has been intimate and the shields are significantly raised to 120% and the captain orders to have the packlet disabled. Dorg orders for them to target the Cerritos, but Maha blazes the order, much to the anger of Dorg. Maha says that this, need to, this needs to end and the issue is a challenge to, of command to Dorg. Maha's friends enter the bridge with Dorg's targ to see Dorg try once more to have the Cerritos destroyed, and Maha intervenes and punches Dorg. This is pretty amazing. The two engage in a brutal fight as the crew looks on. As they fight, Dorg Tog growls at the sight. You go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Dorg manages to pin Maha to the ground, choking him as he pulls out his dagger. Before he can finish Maha, his targ lunges at Dorg and bites him in the arm. Then okay. Cameron turns yeah. to die. Yeah, then Cameron Doggy. turns and die. <laughs> Dorg is taken by surprise and drops his dagger before managing to throw his targ aside. Meanie. Wow, <laughs> Maha manages to recover and once more attacks Dorg, but is struck aside. Dorg pulls out a knife and approaches Maha, who is laying on the ground, but Maha has to turn the page. <laughs> and lands nearby Dorg's dagger and managed to grab it and lunge at Dorg, ramming the blade into his chest, killing Dorg. You know what's funny as this episode was? There was a lot of stabbing and killing of yes. Klingon. As he oh, catches Klingons his... are gonna cling on. What do you want? Yeah. Pink blood. He catches his breath but one of the bridge officers asks Maha what his orders are, addressing him as captain, and Maha sits in the command chair and orders for course to be set for Konos, intending to tell the council of Dorg's actions. Well, you could send a subspace special, but maybe he gets a parade or yeah. something. <laughs> the Chita retreats, entering warp, and Freeman has the Cerritos intensify the attack on the pack lead, full of pack leads. With the combined fire of the Cerritos and the Cheval being too much to handle, the pack lead enters warp and retreats. I don't know how it should warp with one of the, the cells. You guys see the cell getting knocked off? Yes. I would say I love that uh, it lost they, a piece, like a, the fender falls off yeah. or something. Yes. That'd be great. Freeman hails the Cheval and thanks him for their assist, but before she can say more, the captain of the Cheval asks if they're in need of assistance. Freeman declines and says, Captain cuts communication, saying further communication is long necessary. Do these guys get married <laughs> at all? It's no yeah. wonder uh, one of them, what was the name of the character they married, the, the Earth woman? Oh. Spock's father. Spock's yeah. father, come on. Yeah. 
All right, I'll get it. Yeah, these uh, Vulcans definitely reminded me of the the Enterprise Vulcans that we saw during that run of the series, where they were just much more buttoned up and not wanting to have any interaction with anybody, really. Yeah. Even during the show Picard, they discussed uh, long ago how uh, they struggled with their, I can't call it their humanity, but with their emotions. Yeah, right? yeah. But there were still people, and they had a, a revolt, and there were still terrorists that thought mm -hmm. the, the, the Picard-era Vulcans were too chummy, I guess. Yep. Interesting history. So, back to the show. Freeman orders the crew to begin to assess damage and begin repair before she ponders the revelation of the Klingons helping the Paclets. Yeah, that'll come back. Shax finds it strange that they broke off their attack and retreated, noting how the Klingons typically like to die in battle. That's right. Freeman wonders if it wasn't realized it wasn't their fight and realized she needs to brief Starfleet. Everyone's running home yeah. to uh, form their <laughs> command. Except for the Paclet, they don't know the way. <laughs> On the ship, Talin's captain commends her for her program, saying that she had been following her instincts. It is likely they wouldn't have survived their encounter, but says their inability to control her emotions has become too much of a liability and moves her from duty. Wow. Talin begins to protest, but the captain responds that her perceived victory will only fuel further impulsive behavior, and there's no place for that behavior on his ship. Talin says she will gather her belongings and prepare to return to Vulcan, though her captain says she will not be returning to Vulcan. What? Instead, she, yeah, instead she is recommending her for a reassignment to a Starfleet vessel, noting that her instinctual behavior may benefit service with the humans. Boom. Talin is not happy with the recommendation and asks the captain to reconsider the decision is final. I don't know why she's protesting. She's going to get her own spinoff show. <laughs> <laughs> As Talin leaves the chamber, she sarcastically salutes him. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can't wait That's to see exactly, those guys together. Exactly uh, what Jason said to me. He goes, did she just basically tell him to F off yeah. by saying it <laughs> yeah. that way? Like, yep. Absolutely. In the Cerritos mess hall, Boimler is back with Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford and laments how Close he was to becoming friends with Ransom, and Mariner cheers him up by saying that, that he doesn't need a bridge body since he has them. She then promised that the next time they have a long-haul trip, they will do something together. Formler is appreciative and leaves to grab a drink, still disappointed. As he waits for a drink, a cadet nervously walks up and tells Boimler that he's been having trouble keeping the, up with his duty schedule, and the Ransom told him that the Boimler was the most organized officer on the ship, and a great officer. That's two! Two in a row! Captain and him, Ransom. Yep. Oh, I, I I definitely want to see him become a lieutenant. Yes. That'd be <laughs> just want to well, see him have that room just in case Mariner yeah. can have a moment. <laughs> yep, they'll have, we'll see a naked Boimler in the room. It'll really be William. Oh, my God, go. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's animated, but holy crap, that <laughs> is just burned in my head. It's like, oh, hi. He's got Cirque du Soleil stuff happening. It's like, no, please. <laughs> I didn't notice that I was a cadet. I just thought it was a crewman. Uh, and I said to myself, oh, my God, we're seeing a regular crewman. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. I was too. thinking it was like how is that a cadet like what Wesley Crusher was? Yeah. Like, OK. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like somebody who was just trying out. Let's see if I can do this. But like, I think they even gave him some pimples. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Making him so young. But I love how Ransom was in the background, kind of like, yeah, smiling. Little head nod, like, yeah. Wow. Boy flattered, Boimler accepts the cadet's request and begins to advise him, saying that every ship depends on officers like them to keep the ship running. And while you might often hear about the adventures of the bridge crew, the real action takes place down on the lower deck. I'll say. <laughs> As the credits start to roll, we get a glimpse of the lower decks of Borg Cube 901A2, where the four drones are regenerating in their alcove. Oh my God, that was so great. Yes. Like I said, I. <laughs> I so wanted just a sigh. Be like, look, that's the Boimler. 
of right. the Borgs right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, one of their best episodes. I don't know how they're going to top that. This was so good. And again, palate cleanser for the week. Because yep. I was cracking up. Like every time I was watching like the other one, I'm like, okay, it's Lower Deck. This group of Lower Deck is going to be a little bit different. Nope. I'm like, love it. Love it. <laughs> I had a little boomer talk for you. It reminded me of, I mean, the last episode was pretty great. It reminded me of all things Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> When they okay. came out with their first Fleetwood Mac album, also called their White Album, I said, man, what a great album. Then they came out with rumors and like, oh, my God, how do they do it? Yes. <laughs> I, hope, I hope some of our listeners know what Fleetwood Mac is. Yeah, they do. Of course they sure do. They do. Sure they do. Anyway, we got some Easter eggs. Talin quotes Spock from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, saying, logic is the bidding of wisdom, not the end. So classic. And also, the captain of the Cheval has a copy of the Key of Shira in his quarters. Dr. Tanner's rock climbing holodeck program is reminiscent of Kirk climbing El Capitan in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, as Boyman's Go Climb a Rock t-shirt and hover boots. Wow. <laughs> they get, they get, must have a sizable thread wall themselves. Captain Freeman's Ritos t-shirt echoes the Disco t-shirt one on Star Trek Discovery. I'm going to have to go to their online shop. Dora quotes from William Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar, Cry Havoc and Let's Slip the Dogs of War, the same line. Among any other lines from Shakespeare, was quoted by General Chang in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Didn't he say that in The Sound of Music, too? <laughs> <laughs> Maha mentions other Klingons have tried to destroy peace between the Federation and the Klingon Empire, as seen previously in the House of Duras and General Chang. Assuming that the end scene with the Cube 901A2 is set at the same time as the rest of the episode, this is the first on-screen portrayal of an operational Borg Cube in any setting subsequent to the Star Trek Voyager finale, Endgame. Though the submatrix collapse of the artifact would have occurred after Endgame as well. When the red alert sounds, the crew members of the Cerritos hurry to their post, still in their leisure clothing or their costume. This is a bit reminiscent of Picard and his officers in old Navy uniforms in Star Trek Generations. <laughs> I, like, I thought they looked good in those, too. Yep. I love that when they were running in, in the halls, you even see some come out in, like, Elizabethan costumes. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I was just cracking up, like, oh my god, they're really, like, I feel like it's, like, ripping on all of them, just a little bit. All the the old shows, when they did yep. stuff like that. The Vulcan cruiser appears in much the same way that between the Packlet and the Cerritos as the Enterprise E between the Borg Cube and the Defiant in Star Trek First Contact, which was super heroic. Yes. <laughs> Even though the Vulcans didn't know they were doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we got any other thoughts on this episode? Or what we might see in the finale? Yeah, I hope we see a Vulcan on the crew of the Cerritos. Yes. <laughs> yes. Maybe a Klingon, I'm excited. too. You know, we're going to have to count how many We'll have to count how many times she raises her, her, her eyebrow. Yes. At Becky. <laughs> <laughs> at all of them. Come on, let's be honest. She'll have to make a friend with somebody, though. Rutherford. And that'll piss Tindy off. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's good. It could be Boimler and piss off uh, Mariner. Yeah, it sure could be. <laughs> oh, wait. What if it's that other guy? I forget his name. The one that was kind of with our crew where Boimler was gone. Oh, that Mariner. Mar yeah. yeah <laughs> what if she just, like, makes friends with him? I think that's going to piss all of them off. Yeah. Now we're going to see bring back jet hashtags on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. 
Please review and rate us on iTunes. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Lower Deck podcasts out there. Not as stellar as this one. See what I said did there? Stellar. Yep. Tell your friends, and I hope you like our podcast. Don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. You could go over to www.fangirlzone.com, check out our contacts page for all the ways to get a hold of us, and don't forget, I still want someone to stump these guys with Star Trek trivia. Give me something completely obscure so they can be stumped, and I will send you something from our prize pack. It's like baseball I'm trivia. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like so excited. I want somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to do something super awesome. <laughs> Even if you don't actually stump them, I'll send you something. But yeah. I mean, send something super obscure because I want. I want these guys to be confused. <laughs> Not just me. This is getting personal. Yeah. <laughs> well, the 10th episode is on October 14th, and it is titled, I, Vulcan. So until then, remember... This is Chief up. Engineer Steve. <laughs> Logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. This is Sean Fandoas, and I've got a bad feeling. This is Redshirt Dave, and Dr. Ta'anik can use my scratch post any day. Oh, my God. <laughs>